Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So God was not talking to somebody with earthly intelligence. He had to be speaking to those that exist in the supernatural eternal realm. So what do we conclude? Us is Elohim. It's the creative being. It's not an angel. It's not man. It's not animals. So who God was talking to was God the Son and God the Spirit. There's the three. So the Holy Spirit is God, deity. He was there at creation. Most people, whether they're serving him or not, admit to the idea of a God, the Father. They also accept the idea of Jesus, since there are records of his having been on the earth. The Holy Spirit, though, that's a different animal altogether. Many religions contain a spirit-like entity, but generally it's an it, an undefined force. Think Star Wars. But Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the biblical concept of the Holy Spirit. You'll discover that the Bible's Holy Spirit is far different from everyone else's divine spirit. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in John chapter 14 as he continues his series, The Person and the Work of the Holy Spirit. Well, let me ask you, since the beginning of the year, and you don't raise your hand, have you asked the Holy Spirit for his help? Maybe you did, and he told you what to do, but you didn't. See, the Holy Spirit can be grieved by us ignoring him, He's come alongside us, but we just ignore him. Your rocker isn't grieved when you ignore it. But God is. He's a very present help in time of trouble. Sometimes we forget to turn it. Or we can actually grieve him when he says, do this, and we go, I won't do this. I came out of a store the other day. And a lady stopped me. She had looked at me when I was cashing out, kind of like walked away. When I came out, she turned around and she said, are you Pastor Mark? And I said, yes. She says, you're shorter than you are on the screen. (laughs) I said, thank you very much. No, it doesn't bother me at all. I says, well, sure I am. And then I said, she said, She went into some details. She said, I read your book, went through some things and this and that and the other. Well, as I was talking with her at the end of the conversation, I just stopped because the Spirit told me to, and I prayed for her right there, right in front of Walgreens. I mean, it wasn't like a crowd around, and I didn't get it on my knees, you know, and whatever. But I prayed for her because the Spirit said, pray for her right now. Now, if I would have walked away 
and ignored what the Spirit said to me, what would I have done to the Spirit? Agree the Spirit? So it's that simple. How do I know that? Because I've done it, have you? I just went, well, not, not here. Not her. I don't. And sometimes I do that. So the Holy Spirit has emotion. He's a person. He lives inside you. Third, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. The Holy Spirit possesses a will. He's a decider. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says this. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines or he wills. Whatever spiritual gift you have, you didn't determine that. God did. The Holy Spirit determines our gifts. And so he's a choosing being. So these three attributes are consistent with the definition of a personality. The Holy Spirit is a person. There's more proof as you go through. The Bible refers to the Holy Spirit all through with personal pronouns as well. I'll just give you one to turn to. John chapter 15. Turn right there. As you're going to read, the Bible uses these personal pronouns when referring to the Holy Spirit, not it. It's clear proof that the Holy Spirit's a person so we can have a personal relationship with him. John 15, 26. When the counselor comes, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he, he will testify about me. Not it. He. He will testify about me. Here's two more. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Acts 13, 2. When Paul and Barnabas were sent out, notice, while we were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me. There's the will of the Spirit. Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. So it's very interesting that the calling that you have isn't really your calling. God made that call. Remember, the plans he has for you, God determined. The Spirit does. That's the will of God. Now, think about that and think how important that is, these truths that we know. But sometimes, probably we've all forgotten in the last few months that the Holy Spirit is a person. And I can actually grieve him. But I want to give you just three, two cults and one religion, what they believe about the Holy Spirit. This will surprise you. And actually, one I'm going to do a little in depth. I'm not trying to slam. When I get through, I'll make a statement or two. The Jehovah Witnesses, a cult. In their doctrine, the Jehovah Witnesses believe the Holy Spirit is nothing more 
than a force. So everything we've already said, they don't believe in the Bible. They believe the Holy Spirit is a force. Now what about Mormonism? They also depart from mainstream Christianity, even though they would like us to believe that they are. They're not. Listen to these phrases of the Mormon Church's first article of faith. It reads like this. We believe in God, the Eternal Father, in His Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost. Now, if you're not knowledgeable about the Mormons, and you just look for a doctrine statement, that looks pretty orthodox, doesn't it? I mean, that's pretty much what we believe. However, how they define God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is a mile different than we do. Let me give you a little synopsis. When the Mormons refer to God the Father, they mean a resurrected man who became a God, who is married to many women, and who begat the spirit of every person to live on this earth through physical relations with his wives. That's who they believe God is. By the phrase, his son, Jesus Christ, Mormons refer to the firstborn of those spirits, a spirit brother of Lucifer. Lucifer and Jesus supposedly were firstborn brothers who were born physically in Bethlehem as a result of sexual relationships between a heavenly father and his own daughter, Mary. You don't see this on the television. You see the wonderful family, nice, they care about kids and family things, and they got good morals, and you see those things. You don't see this. This Jesus was supposedly married to several women while he walked on the earth. His atoning sacrifice is insufficient by itself to pay for all mankind's sins. Well, as might be expected, the term Holy Ghost in the Mormon's first article of faith likewise has a meaning diametrically opposed to that found in the Bible, what we believe as Christians. Moreover, Mormonism draws an unbiblical distinction between the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. These are alternate King James translations of the same Greek word. I'll go into that in a moment. In Mormonism, the Holy Ghost is the personage of the Spirit, while the Holy Spirit is only an essence or a force. Going on, the Holy Ghost is the third member of the Godhead. He is a personage of the Spirit, a spirit person, a spirit man, a spirit entity. But he can only be in one place at one time. And he does not and cannot transform himself in any other form or image than that of a man who he is. Now, speaking about that, somebody asked me Sunday... What's the difference between Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost? Well, there is no difference. They refer to the same person in the original language in the Greek. The word used for spirit and the word used for ghost are the same word, pneuma. The literal meaning of that word is breath or breeze. Holy Ghost kind of came about because of the King James Bible. 
German that was common in English prior to the 20th century. That's where we picked it up from. In fact, in your King James Bible, all of us were kind of raised, if you're older, were raised in that Bible. It occurs 90 times. In that same King James, the Holy Spirit occurs seven times. All the other translations, basically, NIV and New King James, New American Standard, whatever, use Holy Spirit exclusively. By the way, when the King James translators use ghosts, they don't use it like we do today, this kind of a spirit kind of thing that appears and doesn't appear and goes back and whatever. It's totally different. So there is no difference. Now, what about Islam? It's big religion today. One billion people in the world call themselves Muslim. They believe that the Holy Spirit is Gabriel. Well, here's a question. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit lives in Christians. That's what the Bible tells us. Here's a question for a Muslim. If the angel Gabriel is the Holy Spirit, does an angel dwell in us? So I just threw those out for you to think about this. I'm so glad that I don't have to ask Joseph Smith who the Holy Spirit is. You know why I don't have to? Because the Holy Spirit authored his own book. And he tells us who he is. And so we're not at a loss. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. I know who he is. You know who he is. So he is a person that you and I can have a relationship with. That's the A. Here's the B. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. He is God. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. It's very important that we know that he's not just a person, but that he is actually divine. He is God. In Genesis 1, We'll see this in these first two verses of the Bible. We'll see this very clearly. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. By the way, let me just stop there, and I'm not going to teach Genesis. But notice that the author of the Bible just makes a statement. Just makes a statement. In the beginning, God. If you can believe that, the rest of life is pretty much a piece of cake. Well, how did that happen? Well, we're back to the little one, two, three, fill in a four. No, that's not right. Five, six. You're Sudoku fans. You're going to challenge your brain. You'll never figure out how somebody has always been. Go ahead. Try. I'll see it circles of care in a few days or whatever. <laughs> you can't figure it out. We have what kind of a mind? A finite mind? It doesn't. We can't. Some things we just don't understand here. So in the beginning, God, at some point in your life, no matter how brilliant you are as a scientist or whatever, you can't please God unless you have faith. So the first thing I have to have faith with is in the beginning, God. Stated facts. I believe it or I don't believe it. Can't prove it. Can't disprove it. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God, by the word, that word there is Elohim, I'll come back to you in a moment, created the heavens and the earth. Elohim is a plural form of God, plural. And again, here we go again. 
We're going to talk in a moment about the trinity and all of this kind of thing where we can exercise our brain. Scripture was inspired. Man began to write the word. It was evident that the writers of the Bible, Moses here, through the Holy Spirit, and as we go through the Bible, it's very evident that as they begin to talk, they talked about one person, but at the same time, three in the Godhead. Very evident. In the beginning, God. Plural. One God, yet plural. Scoot on down to verse 26. 26. Same chapter, Genesis 1. Then God said... Let, and you might circle this if you haven't in your Bible, let us, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and all the livestock and over all the earth and all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, prior to the creation of man, we find this interesting conversation. Who is God talking to? Let us. Well, there's no man and as we move through this, it's very evident it's a conversation between God, Elohim again, and at least one unidentified being. Let us make man in our image. Who are these persons? Well, it's an invitation to create. Let us create. Angels don't create. They're created. Animals don't create. They were created. Man doesn't create. He was created. Man hasn't even been created yet. So the only person and persons that can be inferred here, obviously, is deity. It's God. This limits us to God alone. So God was not talking to somebody with earthly intelligence. He had to be speaking to those that exist in the supernatural eternal realm. So what do we conclude? Us is Elohim. It's the creative being. It's not an angel. It's not man. It's not animals. So who God was talking to was God the Son and God the Spirit. There's the three. So the Holy Spirit is God. Deity. He was there at creation. Now go back to Genesis 1-2. You'll see he's there very clearly. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the, say it with me, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So here... We see one of those God was talking to. It was the Holy Spirit. Not a created being like the Mormons believe. Not a force, certainly, like the Jehovah Witnesses believe. And not an angel, as the Muslims believe. But the Holy Spirit is God. Now, actually, all three persons of the Godhead were active in creation. Jesus, you can look up in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Father, you see it here. And of course, the Holy Spirit, there's a couple more, I'll just read to you. Psalm 33, 6. By the Word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of His mouth. Job 26, 13. By His breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the guiding serpent. So... 
The Holy Spirit is deity. He's God. Let me give you some examples of how these attributes of God are all part of the Holy Spirit. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all these attributes. Number one, they're omnipotent. They're all-powerful. Luke one thirty-five. if you want to write a verse, I didn't put them all there because I'm just trying to give these to you. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Son is all-powerful. The Father's all-powerful. The Spirit's all-powerful. Second, omnipresent. Remember, one of the beliefs of the Mormons, the Spirit can only be in one place at one time. Now, let me ask you something. How would you like to have God the Spirit, who could only minister to one person at one time in one place? You think the line would be long? I mean, what good would that do? So, we know that that's not true. The Holy Spirit is at all places at the same time. Let me read it to you. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? So you can't go anywhere that the Spirit of God isn't there. Now, is that a good thing? That's a great thing. Is that a difficult thing sometimes? Yes, because you go to a place that you're not supposed to be. You've never done that, have you? Say, yes, I have. Holy Spirit's listening to you right now. So I go to a place where I shouldn't be, or your wife leaves home and you're watching television and you're turning channels. You know, when your life leaves, the Holy Spirit leaves. No, the Holy Spirit goes with her, but the Holy Spirit stays with you. So his presence is what? Right there. He convicts us. That's a good thing. It actually keeps me out of trouble. Holy Spirit's the one that says, uh, I don't think so. And then we argue, don't we? No, I don't think so. So he's there. So everywhere we go, this is incredible. God is there. When you pray for your grandchildren, when we pray for little Haley in Gainesville, undergoing the bone marrow transplant, I'm glad that the Holy Spirit is a comforter right alongside her and mom and dad. Aren't you? Hallelujah. Ooh, I just feel that right now when I just even mentioned, don't you? You feel the Spirit. You see, the Spirit is what alivens the church. Not this weird stuff. And it isn't like I didn't feel the Spirit when I was teaching. Sure I do. But there's just sometimes the Spirit moves upon us. Number three, omniscient, all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2, we already did this, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. There isn't anything that's hidden from the Spirit. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark asked an important question. When's the last time you asked the Holy Spirit for help in your life? Today? Last week? Never? 
This is an important question because as a Christ follower, Jesus expects you to rely on the Holy Spirit. You also learned about the evidence in the Bible that the Holy Spirit isn't a force, but the third person of the Trinity. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will finish the first segment of his teaching series, The Person and the Work of the Holy Spirit. You'll hear more evidence that the Holy Spirit is a person and not an impersonal force like is found in other religions. Pastor Mark will remind you that just as in other aspects of Christianity, you need to believe that what God says about himself is true to triumph in this walk. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a herd.